Well, good morning, Frontline family. Good morning, church. Welcome to everyone that has joined us online today. I'm excited to be with you all because today is the start of our vision month here at Frontline, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you over the next couple of weeks what we believe the Lord is saying to us for 2021 and beyond. I really believe, and I want you to believe with me, that this will be a year where the church will not sink away into significance as many are predicting and expecting, but instead it will be a year where the true church will take up its position and kingdom mandate and stand up against the powers of darkness. Are you ready to be a part of that type of church? Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today in the wonderful name of Jesus. We commit the service to you this morning and we welcome you in our midst. We pray that today would be a significant day in the life of our church and we pray that in whatever we do, whatever we say and whatever we put into place for this year, that you would order our footsteps and direct our thinking so that your perfect will would come to pass. Lord, we thank you that despite what we see in the natural and what's going on in our world right now, we have the assurance that you build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We stand on that promise today and we pray that you would teach us how to use the keys of the kingdom so that we can operate as the church that you've called us to be. And Father, as I bring your word today and share a part of the vision, I pray that you would anoint my lips and the ears of those listening. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, Frontline Church, it's really a privilege to be with you this morning. Today is the start of Vision Month here at Frontline Church. Now, some of you may be thinking, what does that mean, Pastor? What do you mean by Vision Month? Well, very briefly, let me explain. It's the time of the year where we as a church leadership spend time seeking the Lord on what He wants for this part of His vineyard, what He wants specifically for Frontline Church. But just to be very clear, this doesn't take away from the mandate of the church as prescribed in the Word of God. That will never change. And our vision that says we see a new breed of worshipers creating atmospheres for breakthrough in every strata of society, restoring lives and transforming cities and nations, that vision is molded from the commands and directions we have in the Word of God. So Vision Month isn't a rehash of all that God has already said to us in His Word and said to us at Frontline Church. It is seeking the Lord and how we should be responding as His church in the season that we find ourselves in so that we don't miss what God is doing. That's really what it's about. We cannot add anything to what God has already commanded us to do, but it is our desire to seek the Lord to guide us how to align with His perfect will and His perfect plan. And Vision Month is the communication of what we believe the Lord is saying to us now so that Frontline Church, which is you and I, would be effective in our calling. And I know we normally communicate this vision on one Sunday every year, but we believe the Lord is leading us into a very unique dimension and expression of church this year, which will require more time spent on why we believe it is important and how the Lord requires all of us to shift our thinking so that He can pour the new wine into new wineskins. New wineskin means 
some form of change. Yes, it does. And I know that change is never easy. But through all of this, it is our desire to please the Lord in everything that we do by representing Him the way that He deserves. And I want to say to you today, church, that the Holy Spirit speaks to all of us. It's not just exclusive to just the leadership of the church. And just as the leadership seek the Lord for guidance in this season, you can do the same as part of this body. You can seek the Lord and how you can be a working and active part of Christ's body in the church that He has planted you in. Because we all have something to bring. I want to say that again. You and I, we all have something to bring. So church, in our time away, reflecting on 2020, a year that came out of nowhere, a year that has changed the way that we look at life and do life, a year where the church has been restricted from gathering, well, you guessed it. We had a lot to ponder on and, and reflect on and pray about. And one of the things that was highlighted to us in this time is how essential church is, how essential it is for us to gather together. The church of Jesus Christ is essential. And that's why the subtitle to my message today is The Essential Church. One of the questions that our society has been asking for the past 10 months now is what is essential? Who is essential? What businesses, what activities do we deem as essential activities and essential businesses? And yes, it changes from country to country. We know what's been happening in South Africa. But to give you a few examples around the world, in places where drive-through alcohol sales and drive-in strip clubs were allowed, at the same time, the church in that area wasn't allowed to have drive-in church services. In the first lockdown last year, a, a BBC reporter said that in Paris, chocolate shops had been regarded as essential. And you may say, listen, pastor, I get that because chocolate is essential to my life. But he said when the lockdown started, he was on the Champs-Élysées in Paris. And he said everything was completely shut down except chocolate shops. They were deemed to be essential. And there's many other examples. But truthfully, everything outside the great work done by our frontline workers, almost everything else that, has, that was deemed essential over the past 10 months hasn't improved our society or helped our society through one of its darkest challenges. In many ways, it has made it worse. Those people that don't have the same luxuries that you and I have around the world are suffering more than you can imagine in ways that you cannot begin to imagine. But let me get back to the question. Who is essential? You are. You are essential to God and you are essential to this culture and this world. The church is essential. The message we preach is essential. The gospel is essential. Salvation is essential. Jesus Christ and His people are essential. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, and he talked about the church and gave a very powerful description of it. He said the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Did you hear that? The pillar and the ground of truth. 
You know, church, so much of what we hear these days is based on half-truths or perceptions or percentages, isn't it? To a degree, our lives have been reduced to percentages or perceptions. Think about it. Because of COVID, we're constantly looking at probabilities or percentages. I know I have. I like looking at statistics. For instance, what percentage of people are being affected by COVID-19? It doesn't really seem like it. These, these stats don't seem to be real because it says only 0.0002% people are being affected by COVID. But you and I hear of so many other people more and more each day. What percentage of people recover from COVID-19 if they have contracted the disease? 99.98% of people. And again, this doesn't make sense because you and I know so many people that are getting it and other friends or close family that have actually passed away. Are these percentages actually correct? It is reported that the vaccine that is on its way will have an efficacy rate of up to 95%. Even though most other vaccines in the world have an efficacy rate of between 30 and 70%. And this vaccine for COVID will be 90 to 95% effective. That's the hope. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is not to burst your bubble or to give you information to tell someone else, I told you so. The reason I'm telling you this is because there is a virus far worse than COVID-19, and that's what makes the church essential. It's called sin. That's the virus. It's 100% fatal unless there is a change in a person's life. It kills everyone who does not deal with it at the cross. But there is a vaccine for it. And the vaccine for the sin virus is not 30% effective, it's not 70% effective, it's not even 95% effective. It is 100% effective. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. So whenever we speak of what is essential, you have to ask, well, who and what are you talking about? Because we normally deal with what is essential to us. When it comes to the church, however, we have to deal with what is essential to God. Is the church essential? To Christ it is, because it's the truth that really saves lives. Well, let me say it like this. It's the truth of the living God that saves lives. And the church is the foundation of that truth. Can you imagine for a moment that we're all at a wedding right now? And the groom arrives, the, the bridesmaids arrive, the guests arrive. Everyone's ready, the venue's ready, the photographer is ready to take all these amazing pictures, but the bride doesn't arrive. You can't exactly have a wedding without the bride now, can you? And so let's just say the wedding is supposed to get started and, and people start to get a bit fidgety because time is passing. Five minutes has passed, 10 minutes has passed, 20 minutes. And eventually, at 30 minutes, someone else shouts out and says, listen, where's the bride? And someone at the door says, she's not coming. She's not essential. Well, I've got to tell you something. To the groom, she's essential because without her, there is no marriage. Did you know that we are called the bride of Christ? You are essential to Christ. Did you know that Jesus describes you, the church, as a love gift from the Father to him he said in John chapter 17 in that beautiful prayer he says I have manifested your name to all those you have given me they were yours you gave them to me 
You are a love gift from the Father to the Son. I think the church is pretty essential to Jesus Christ and His kingdom mission on, on the earth. But to the rest of the world, there are many things that seem to take priority or preference over the church. Now, the reason this is important in relation to our vision for this year is because in the season where truth is subjective, where truth is what suits your preference, where truth is based on those who want to control truth, there has to be a place where people come for the only real truth, which is found in the Son of the living God and His church. Because that's the only way to unlock the kingdom of heaven for those that are in the kingdom of darkness. And it starts by asking a very simple question that Jesus asked his disciples. Go with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, and we'll read from verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus asked the disciples a very important question. Who do men say that I am? In other words, what's the, the skinner around town about me? They respond to him and say, well, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Each of them responded with an indication of a reincarnation or recreation of one of the prophets of old. If we were to ask that question today, who do men say that Jesus is? The answer to that question would be varied and different. The Muslims would say that, that he was just a prophet. The Jehovah's Witnesses would say that he's not God, but one of the sons of God. The Jews would say that he's just a religious man. But I'm not concerned about what they say. I'm wondering, what do you say? In this text, Jesus then turns to them and asks them the most important question that will in fact determine every man and every woman's eternal destiny. Who do you say that I am. Peter answered with the most profound response that the Holy Spirit revealed to him, and he said, You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And that passage of scripture that we just read is the foundation of the church. The first thing that I, I would want you to take from that passage of scripture is that Christ is, in fact, building his church. He's building his church. Why is that important? Because when we're speaking about vision for this year and for our church, we need to understand that the one who is building Frontline Church is not me. It's not Pastor Renal. It's not the leadership. It's not even you. 
Yes, it requires our availability because He does His work through us, but we take no recognition for what Jesus is building. You and I are the product. God has orchestrated our lives and the events of our lives to get us into shape and into place to do our role in order to build the church of Jesus Christ. Everything that you've gone through in your life, God allowed you to go through it so that you can play a role in His kingdom. And guess what? We have a choice. Because if you don't do it, if you say no, He's going to use somebody else. So we need to look at it a bit differently. You know, we need to think of it like this. We get to be a part of what God is doing. Somebody needs to say amen to that. Jesus is building His church. And this is important to mention because if you look in the natural and you listen to the, the statistics, if you listen to the so-called experts, they are telling us that the church is declining and falling apart. They say that the church is declining and people are not going to church anymore. And I'm talking even before COVID hit us. Statistics show that more and more people are straying away from the church. There was an article released recently by an international publication. And the, the question that was raised in that article was, will the church survive COVID-19? Will the church survive? There was a big debate on whether or not the church would survive one of its greatest setbacks and challenges. And so they cited all the arguments, they cited all the challenges that the church globally has been facing over the past few decades, how church attendance has been dwindling. And because of COVID now, how in some churches and some areas, it has just wiped out church attendance completely. So the fear in this article was that many people who were not really engaged anyway in church before COVID will completely disengage after COVID. That's the fear. And it's a legitimate fear, and I would actually even say that, that it's true. Recent research has found that around half adults or half of the adults who attended church before COVID-19 are unlikely to return to church even if public health officials deem it safe. Did you get that? So even when they say it's okay, it's safe, you can come out of the woods, you can get back to life, you can get back to work, that half of the adults who went to church before are going to say, listen, I'm done. I'm not coming back. Now, I guess that's a little ominous when you consider the argument, will, will the church survive COVID-19? But we need to ask Jesus that question. Let's ask Jesus the question. Jesus... Will your church survive COVID-19? Lord Jesus, will your church survive this pandemic called COVID-19? Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail. Let me just explain that text for you briefly. In ancient times, cities were built with walls and gates. Walls to protect and gates to gain entrance and for people to leave. And so when the enemies wanted to attack a city, they would often attack the gates first. But the gate in ancient times is also the place of power or the place of authority. That's where the elders met, that's where the judges met, and that's where cases were heard. And that's where those people were either bound by judgment or let loose to go free. So the gates of Hades, which is another word for the grave or the place of the dead 
some translations say the gates of hell, which is basically means the power of death and hell or the power of death and Satan. You might, you might translate it this way. You can open up hell's gates and unleash all the wicked forces on the church. You could persecute the church. You could torture believers. You could kill believers. It's been going on for over 2,000 years. You can even burn their buildings down. But guess what? The church will prevail. It is indestructible. It's not going anywhere. And really the best example of the triumphant church was when Jesus was hanging on the cross. And his followers are there at Golgotha and they're looking up at him. And I'm sure they were remembering these words when he said, I will build my church. And, and now he's dying on the cross. And some of us would say and look at that and, and say, well, you know what? It's over. The church is over. Whatever plans he had to build his church are done. All I want to say to you this morning, are you kidding me? It's just beginning. It is just beginning. And it's going to be followed by a resurrection and 2,021 years now of history that has been absolutely stunning. So I have a better question for you. Then will the church survive COVID-19? Are you ready? Here's the question. Will our faith survive COVID-19? Will your faith survive COVID-19? The answer to that question is an absolute yes if your foundation is secure in the revelation of who Jesus is. Let me take you back to the scripture in verse 18. It says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, for 1,500 years, there was confusion on this text until the Protestant Reformation. Because one of the translations of Peter is rock. And people have assumed for over a century that Jesus was saying, I'm going to build my future church upon this man named Peter, who will be the head of the church or who will be the foundation. Let me just say, if the church is built on Peter, we are all in deep trouble. And I think Peter would be the first to agree and say, listen, I'm not that man. Certainly Paul would agree because Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, he said, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So let me just clear up that text for you. Jesus said, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. He's not saying I'm going to build my church on you. You see, you've got to listen to it in the Greek language. It says, I say to you, you are Petros, which means a stone or a boulder. And on this Petra, different word altogether, which means a large, massive rock or bedrock foundation, I will build my church. Peter, you are a stone, or some would say that Peter was the first of many building stones in the church. Jesus says, I'm not going to build it on you. Upon this massive rock, upon this bedrock foundation, I will build my church. So what was Jesus referring to? He's not referring to Peter, but what Peter has just said. And this is very important for us to understand. Peter has just said, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He had a revelation of who Jesus really is. He had an encounter with the truth. And Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on that confession, Peter. That monumental, firm foundation that Jesus is Lord. 
That's what he built his church on, not on the man Peter, but on that truth that Peter articulated that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That is foundational for us as Christians. So the, the foundation is Christ, and if the foundation of the church is Christ, that means we are the physical representation of Jesus on the earth. We are a representation of the truth. And you know, this is really profound for me, church, because what type of foundation are we articulating in our Christian walk and in the way that we do church? What type of truth are we articulating? If Jesus was to ask you, who do you say that I am, what would your answer be? And what would be the expression of that answer be in the way that you live your life every day? Not just when you come to church. Because listen, you can go to church but not necessarily be the church. Some people think, well, you know, I'm a Christian because I go to church or I watch church online. No, you go to church because you are the church. Church is not something you do. Church is who you are. It's who you are. And because you are a true, authentic believer that rests completely in the finished work of Christ, so that leads me to ask, is that true of you? Do you lean and do you rest completely in the finished work of Christ? Is He your foundation? Are you building your life on Him and, and Him alone? Is the revelation that you have of Jesus a strong foundation that will not be shaken regardless of what you face in life? Because when Jesus says to Peter in verse 19, He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, earth will be loosed in heaven. When he says that, it's off the back of the revelation of who Jesus is. It's off that foundation. So in other words, church, if we cannot really say without a shadow of a doubt who Jesus is in our life and, the, and able to express that in our everyday life, we don't have a strong enough foundation enough to defeat the powers of, of darkness. And why is that important? Because that's what the church is. That's what it means for you to be a part of the church. The church is the solution to all the darkness in our world. It's the church that has the keys to unlocking the kingdom of heaven and unleashing the power of heaven against the gates of hell and the powers of sin. Not the other way around. We shouldn't be waiting for, for the enemy to attack us. We should become offensive. And guess what, church? Being a part of church is being a part of this incredible mandate. We get to be a part of it. And I guess what I'm asking you today is, do you want to be a part of that type of church? Do you identify yourself as the ecclesia, the called out ones, the ones that gather in the name of Jesus? You see, the church is not some club you join or some secular organization that is one of the many options out there for the world to choose we are the church we are a chosen generation we are a special people a holy nation we've been called out do you want to know what we've been called out of we've been called out of sin we've been called out of darkness we've been called out of hell we've been called out of being blind we've been called out of being stubborn We've been called out of witchcraft, adultery, idolatry, addiction, and fornication. 
We've been called out of deceit, lies, hatred, envy, strife, malice, and jealousy. We've been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. That's what it means to be a part of the church. We are the called out ones. So let me bring this back to what that means for us at Frontline. We believe that the Lord is calling us back to a true representation of a church that has a foundation that is laid on the revelation of who Jesus is. And it all comes back to that question that Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And that question that Jesus asked church is really an invitation. It's an invitation to be a part of a church that truly resembles Jesus. And the main purpose of my message today is not to make you feel guilty or make you feel duty-bound to come to church when things resume to whatever normal that, that may look like. That's not it at all. Remember, this is a privilege. We are inviting you to be a part of an authentic church expression that truly resembles Jesus Christ here on the earth. And yes, that means the church is going to be very different going forward. But not just for the sake of being different, but for the sake of king and kingdom. We, honor, we want to honor the Lord in the way that we, we have our Christian walk and the way that we do church. We are the church. It's going to require a paradigm shift in all of us, but I rest today in the knowledge that Jesus built his essential church. And by His grace, we will become a true expression of what it means to have a revelation of the foundation that is Jesus Christ. And He will give us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever His church binds and loosens on earth will be bound and loosened in, in heaven. I'm going to ask Pastor Ronald to come up and share a few words this morning. But I just want to send you off with a blessing today. Would you close your eyes? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen, church. God bless you all. Sorry. Amen. Are you excited? Do you feel privileged this morning to be part of what God is wanting to do on the earth? I have such an excitement and such an anticipation uh, building up inside of me. And as we come to the end, church, of our 21-day fast, I want to thank you for being part of it. I believe God has been stirring. Amen. Maybe we can just give ourselves a hand. Whether it's been giving up one thing, a full fast, a Daniel fast, whatever it may have been. God responds to obedience and he responds to sacrifice. And I believe God has been starting something. There's a fire that's starting to ignite, I believe. And I want to encourage all of you as we're not gathering together in the church we would have normally on this coming Sunday, next Sunday, had a celebration service of testimonies of how God has uh, spoken to many during a fast or breakthrough or miracles that you've received. Now we're not together in the house. So I want to ask um, if you have a testimony, if you have something you would like to share, 
can I ask, there's a number on the screen. Would you send that through to us? Because it is critically important for us to hear what God is doing at this time. That we can celebrate and give God thanks for your breakthrough, your answer, what you feel God is saying. As Pastor Ryan said this morning, that the Holy Spirit speaks to each one of us. It's not exclusive just to leadership or to a few, it's to each one of us. So we want to hear what's happened in these last 21 days. So if you could share that, send through your messages um, so that we can just be part of that with you. We would be very grateful. And then, church, an important um, announcement, I guess, or information. We've heard this morning that this is going to be Vision Month. And... Over the course of this month, there's going to be different aspects shared of where we believe God is taking us. We believe change is coming, without a doubt. And like my husband said, it's not change just for the sake of change, but it's aligning ourselves that we are ready for what God is wanting to do at this time. So we've made a decision to not come back to church in the house um, for the month of February. We're going to continue online. And we will be back together on Sunday, the 7th of March. What we're asking of you is in this month is to firstly stay connected because lots is going to be shared over this time. But for you to pray very specifically around what God is saying in this next season. Because change is coming and we need to be prepared for what God is about to pour out. Joel says in the last days, he will pour out his spirit on all flesh. That's you and me, on every one of us. Last day anointing. And we want to make sure that we have aligned ourselves and prepared ourselves for what God is wanting to do. So church is going to look different going forward. And I hope you're excited because we believe that we're preparing ourselves so that we can be a part of what he's wanting to do in our community, in our city, in nations. There is a new oil being poured out, a new wine, a fire and a revival. We've already started to hear testimonies of people in the season. And we know God is starting to move and do something new. So we're asking in this month to stay connected I want to open up an invitation to you. Our offices are open. If you need to sit and chat with someone, even just to have a coffee, if you need prayer, if you need someone to talk to, please come to our offices and see us or make contact with us so we can come and visit you in your home. It's important that we stay connected over this time. So the invitation is there. Church, we are truly excited about what God has been downloading to the leadership over this time as we seek the Lord and we say, God, what is it that you want for Frontline? We want to be ready. We want to be obedient. We want to be aligned to what God is doing. So my husband's already blessed you. I bless you this week. Stay encouraged if you need prayer. Please get in contact with us. Send us your testimonies. And we look forward to see you again on the 7th of March. God bless.